What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Troll Bro Dude, and it is slot week, baby. We're going knee-deep in the slot once again. We are talking all about trade stuff all week on the podcast. I just want to say that if you have not already, please go subscribe to the YouTube page. On Thursday, we will be having the first ever Slot Fest, Slot Fest 2022, where I will be reacting to all of the news that comes in on trade deadline day. I'll have guests on to talk about trades that are happening, rumors, all that stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's from 1230 to 330 p.m. Eastern Standard Time up through the trade deadline. We'll be reacting to everything that comes in and it's going to be a ton of fun. So please join, subscribe to the YouTube page. We're trying to get to 500 subscribers by Thursday. Right now we just passed 400. So please don't miss out on that. In addition to that, we are dropping all these episodes early on YouTube. So I dropped this episode 12 hours ago on our YouTube page. So if you want to hear the episodes before they hit your podcast feed, please go subscribe to our page. I'm going to be doing that until we hit 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Today's episode, there was even more slop that dropped overnight. Brian Windhorse has basically confirmed what Keith Pompey said yesterday some other people had hinted at in the media, which is that although the Nets and the Sixers aren't directly talking to each other about a James Harden-Ben Simmons trade, that they have been communicating through back channels and third parties, which we might have mentioned on this podcast, but it definitely has been confirmed by Brian Windhorst now. And yes, while he is a clutch mouthpiece, just like a lot of other members in the media, it's definitely some validity to that. I don't think that they're just making this stuff up. So I think that there is at least a slight possibility that this trade does go down this week. Today on the episode, me and Matt kind of broke down everything that could possibly happen, why the Nets would do it now, why the Nets wouldn't do it now, why the Sixers should absolutely do it now, and basically do anything they can except for trading Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey to make James Harden a Sixer this season. We also talked about some other things, you know, whenever Matt's on, we go a little bit off the rails. So we had some interesting sidebars, and then towards the end of the episode, we also broke down the two actual trades that already happened during slop season. And I hope that you enjoy this episode. I hope that you subscribe to the YouTube, and if you do not, please rate us on Spotify, Apple, donate in the square, do whatever you can to support. Really appreciate you guys once again, and... uh have fun this slop week. It's all it's all about the fun on slop week, baby. I look forward to the rumors in the next few days and the actual trades that do go down. And I will talk with you guys on Thursday during Slop Fest. I'm not going to do a second podcast this week because I, I want to save all of my takes and my energy for Slop Fest. So please go subscribe to the YouTube so that you do not miss out on all of that. Peace. We work to work, you like to work, I holla in the Senate You know my pride was colder than Chicago in December My bitch came up in ankle with her mama, was her daddy And when I'm in the Midwest, she say holla at your family My dog paid me that cup, taste like candy My dog out laying them low, ain't bring no laws out, serve no rock What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude, and today we have returning to the podcast. You might know him from literally just this podcast at this point. I think it's just old tweets and uh, 
and the You Know Ball podcast. Uh, so we have MTEL NBA making his triumphant return. Matt, how have you been? Uh, I've been good. I've been living in the metaverse, and I've I've also um, <laughs> I've, I've been uh, I've been reloading my tweets. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So, so how how are things in the metaverse? What, what's going on over there? Um, pretty horrible. Um, I ran out of food. Um, <laughs> I don't even have a family in the metaverse, which I thought would be cool at first, but it's incredibly lonely. Um, yeah, I'm I'm actually going to sign off now. <laughs> well, that was a very, <laughs> very gripping uh, episode that we just recorded. I uh, hope you guys liked it. We will not be talking about uh, anything other other than that for the rest of the episode. Um, who are we kidding? It's slop week, baby. Slop we're, we're, week. We are very deep in the slop. So originally we were going to do – we had a few different ideas – and then Shams hit us on Friday with the biggest Shams bomb. By the way, huge Shams guy here. Yeah. I just want to say, always loved him. He's the he's the only reporter that I listen to. Same. I, it's honestly like him. And Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons, who once again reported on, on the trade today about Ben Simmons and James Harden. Saying and then that like it, Kendrick Perkins, if it suits my interests. <laughs> Scoop B, if if I'm in the mood, I'm a big Scoop B guy. Like if he mm-hmm. is saying something that I personally benefit from, yeah. huge Scoop B, Evan Massey, like Woj is a total hack and I don't trust him at all anymore after the last few days. Jake Fisher, you're dead to me. But those other guys, they're, they're 100% in my wheelhouse. So we have a new report from Sham Sharania that – Basically, the Nets are open to a James Harden trade of some sorts. So I don't know how the fuck this happened because I I actually went on an athletic podcast last week, uh, the Saturday Slam and Jam, which was a lot of fun. You should go listen to that if you haven't already. But I went on this podcast and they were asking me, like, what are the odds you think a Ben Simmons trade happens before the deadline? And we recorded this on Friday morning. So I was like, five percent like there's no chance so like right before like literally like four or five hours before the report comes out i'm like yeah there's pretty much no chance he's gonna get dealt before the deadline more he's just gonna hold out blah 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 then the shams piece drops and i'm like we had to go re-record for five minutes yeah because i was like this changes literally our entire conversation and that's what's so frustrating about this whole thing is like a new piece of news drops and pretty much everything I said a week ago is completely irrelevant, which, which makes for great podcasting. But what did you think of the Shams report when it dropped on Friday? And uh, do you think a deal is going to be done before the deadline? I thought that the Shams report was really good and I've never believed great writing. My parents, like the people I love the most in my life, I've never believed anyone more in my life and um i cannot even begin to tell you the level of emotional turmoil i'm going to experience if i find out that sham who i trust with my life and my love lives was lying and ben simmons is still on the team on friday i think that's fair personally i think uh we all should put our entire livelihood on the line for Sham Sharania, our new God King Emperor. Mm-hmm. 
I honestly, when I first read it, I was like, I cannot believe that this is actually a thing. Like, I still, I still am struggling to kind of figure it out from the Nets perspective. Like, on one hand, I think if James Harden is completely checked out and is going to play defense like he did in that Kings game and also just phone in the rest of the season and is not committed to winning or whatever, then okay, maybe, fine, whatever. But on the other hand, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and whoever else gives you the best shot at a title this season. Yeah, 100%. So why would you trade him now instead of just waiting until the offseason has it really gotten that bad it's because it, it, it seems like this is like my issue with the whole thing like and why i think it might not happen is like duran has been out for what like two weeks yeah like they were by all accounts pretty good when he was playing and he was playing at an mvp level like yes they've dropped seven in a row and like Kyrie. Kyrie Irving is like injecting Joe Rogan into all of this Joe Rogan podcast episodes into all of his teammates. And like baby has been banned from the practice facility. Um, but like you would have, like, I just don't under, like if I'm Sean Marks, like Ben Simmons is not going to win you a championship here. The only chance you have to win a championship. And when you have stars in their, you know, late or early to mid thirties, like you kind of just have to like cash in your coins and just go for it with those guys. Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, especially with Durant's injury history, like who knows like how many more years he has of like very high level basketball. Do you really want to end up with just Ben Simmons and like Matisse Steibel potentially? Cam Thomas. Cam, Cam Thomas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, problem and a Hooper. Um, right. I absolutely. Like, like I said, I believe Shams has never lied. So <laughs> it actually is going to happen. Um, but it just, I just, I'm trying to look at it from the Nets' perspective, and it's just like it's James Harden. Like you kind of yeah. gotta go for it, you know. So I do agree with that. The only thing I can think of that the the Nets would say to themselves is Harden is going to leave this offseason no matter what. He's gone. Yeah. Like he's already told us he's leaving. Even if they win a title, he could pull a Kawhi and just be like. See ya. We did what we needed to do. I don't like living here. I don't like being teammates with a, uh, you know, third eye conspiracy theorist. I don't know if, did you hear what Kyrie said with, with like uh, the media basic, what's that? The media plant thing where he was like talking about. No, he said, I was talking about what he oh, said. The- what crazy thing he said okay yeah yeah you know (laughs) you know the other one of the many other things that he said which was basically that he he was he was talking about like who knows what's gonna happen blah 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 and they asked him about like well do you think you're gonna return anytime soon and he's like you know i just have a really positive feeling about (laughs) like in the coming days that like i might be able to come back and like play every game and they were like is that like, is there more information? And he's like, no, I just got a positive vibe. Like he's literally just like, I'm, it's like the book, the secret. He's just putting it out into the universe. Yeah. No, he's, it must be awesome to be on that guy's team. <laughs> I like to, I used to like kind of defend him. Like if years ago, like, like when he first left Cleveland and I'm like, he's young, like, 
I'm sure playing with LeBron is like a lot. <laughs> he's a total lunatic, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean now now I think we've seen he's on on his path to destroying the third straight contender that he's been on. <laughs> I think it is. He goes to contenders. Yeah, I know. He he only goes to contenders just to like it's like some guys want to win MVPs, some guys want to win titles. Kyrie's goal is like I want to go to a contender and I want to destroy any chance that they have at a title. And also say and do the weirdest things on my way to doing that, including like the fact is, is like, I think what, what has made Harden so angry about all this is like Kyrie could literally change his mind tomorrow and be like, I'm going to go get my vaccine. I'm going to go play. Let's make a run at the title or whatever. And he's just like, Nope. No, I'm not going to do that. Even Ben Simmons, who like seemingly doesn't have a soul. <laughs> even even Ben Simmons was like, yeah, I'll go to Rite Aid. I'll go to Rite Aid and just I get just, it done. I'll, I'll, I'll go sit in Rite Aid for 10 minutes. <laughs> he was like, all right, all right, fuck it. I, I mean, literally, if everyone else is doing it, I guess. I mean, okay, so just kind of going back to like what the Nets' perspective on this whole thing could be, my biggest thing with it is the fact that it's like, if they look at the fact that James Harden's going to leave anyway, do they go, okay, he's going to leave. We need to try to get as much as we can because a player that's under contract still that could help the Sixers make a push this year, Mm -hmm. they might be able to get more. Now, what is that more? Is that more Tyrese Maxey? Is that more Seth Curry? Is that Matisse Thibel? Is that picks? Whatever it is, they're thinking we could try to get a haul from the Sixers right now and we'll get a better return. And also, we might set ourselves up nicely for the future. Now, if it's Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, and picks, sure. Daryl Morey's not going to do that. Like he's just, he's not, he's not going to give the same exact package that he offered for James Harden when he was in Houston, when he was better a year and a half ago. Yeah. And when Tyrese Maxey was significantly worse. Right. Like Tyrese Maxey had played like five games in the NBA and they were like, okay, maybe we'd be willing to part with him or like whatever. Like, and I honestly, I don't even think he was willing to include Maxi in that deal. I think it was Thibel, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, So real quick sidebar. um, And it's related to Thibel because it's slop week. I was also listening to 97 five earlier because I'm, because I'm absolutely unwell. And um, I turn, I tune in and like the first thing I hear is like a caller's like, yeah, like we got to like, if we're trying to get James Harden, I'm not giving up Thibel. Like that is up, man. Like you're not gonna get another guy like him. If it comes down to Thibel, I'm not getting hard. <laughs> it's it's just amazing to me how okay, so so I, I understand overvaluing your overvaluing your young players. Like I think that Isaiah Joe, who has objectively been a terrible NBA player for his first year in the league, I'm like, he's clearly gonna be like a starter level guy on a on a contending team one okay. day. Like yeah, no doubt in my mind that Paul Reed is going to figure it out. Yeah, I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, and like, yeah, Tyrese, I mean, uh, Furkan Korkmaz is shooting 28% from three because of anti-Turkish media bias. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the no, man himself. I literally looked at the numbers. It's 42%. I don't know where they're getting 28% from. 
Uh, Ennis Freedom is doctoring the numbers because he's because <laughs> Corkmoss won't talk to him anymore because of uh, his new his newfound political goals. Mm-hmm. But um, the the thing about the Thibel thing is like Thibel is has been a good player for us, has been very impactful defensively. Every big game we play in, except for maybe the Warriors game earlier this year. Yeah. I feel like every time we lose, I'm like, oh, Thibel was a massive negative. Like, but it's but it, it's always like it's always so his like impact in those big games is always so reliant on him hitting like two of the like three or four threes he takes. Sure. That's the only time he I mean he's gotten much better as a cutter. And one of the things I do want to say, like, I know we're not going to get two indexes and those, but like, and like just the team in general, not just Embiid, and it might be infectious because Embiid's become such a willing passer, but like, we're finding guys off movement so much better than we used to. Like, absolutely. Oh, they don't even look like the same team. Like, and I know they're not a perfect team, but they just, despite turnovers, which happens to every team, they are moving it so much better, which is like great for like a guy like Thibel, who is pretty athletic, especially vertically athletic. And like, he's got a good first step coming off ball but like if that's the only impact you have like if that's the only thing that you can offer and it's like very inconsistent depending on the game and like it's, it's not something that's going to work really in the playoffs when teams are like more geared towards right. like specific players it, 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 that's like if that's like a non-starter for any gm they shouldn't have a job right that's my thing is like i understand the idea of not just wanting to give a player away but also, like, you think that Daryl Morey, who has literally created his entire life on the fact that you get two stars, you figure out the rest later, is sitting in his office right now and he's like, Matisse Thibel, the player who literally might be the worst offensive player in the NBA. Like, not even hyperbolic at all. I, there are very few players who are worse than him yeah. on offense. And he's like, yeah, that's what's going to hold me back from getting James Harden. Yeah, no, I, think I have to like. That's, I know that like Maury gets like blasted, even you know, I semi jokingly, semi sincerely, like also blast Maury, but like, yeah, he should be in Guantanamo. We agree. Understands how basketball works, of like knows that like Thibault is not going to, like make or break a championship run if it means getting one of the you know on a really great night one of the 12 best players in the nba potentially a top 10 guy if he gets his you know you know know, sort of revitalizes his his effort levels yeah and and my whole thing is like the reason why you don't include maxi there's multiple reasons to it first maxi is just a better prospect than thibault he clearly has higher upside he is already a starting level point guard. I don't even know if you could, I would say if you put Matisse as a starter, he's probably going to be more of a net neutral. Whereas Maxi can have on a night to night basis can have more of an impact on the game. We saw him win us a playoff game last year as a rookie, and he's gotten significantly better since then. Here's the other thing, like just like, just in terms, if you, if you're just weighing like the emotional aspects of it too, like I swear to God, Embiid has never like enjoyed playing with a player more than he enjoys playing with Tyrese Maxi. Like he, for sure. Tyrese Maxey and like, yeah, I'm sure I know that it all comes down to like the players you have on your roster, but like, let's just say he was in a Harden deal. Like, I don't think that Joel would be all that thrilled by that, especially since this is the same team that has traded away, like his friends and people like that really likes playing with time and time yeah. again. Here. 
Most most importantly, Tyrese Maxey is the first player that Joel likes that isn't a total sociopath. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Like, like, we're looking at you, Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick. Yeah, like, everyone who he has liked before is, like, a serial killer vibe. Yep. And you look at the fact that Tyrese Maxey is literally the opposite, like, the most wholesome vibes possible. Yeah. And, like, Tyrese I... Like Gogurt personified. <laughs> He's very much Saturday morning cartoon vibes. Like, yeah. So, like, like on RTRS, like, I was like listening for a second the other day, and like, Mike Levin, like, he just keeps hammering home the point. It's like this guy is so joyful, and like, I swear that actually does play a huge role. It does. Yes, and in, in a locker room and success on the court, like he's everybody likes playing with him. The way he plays and like the energy that he brings really, really matters. Like, yeah, no, one hundred percent. And on top of that, like, what would you? I mean, the way he's playing the past month, like, where would you if that was consistent? I mean, it has been consistent, but he's like gone another level since you know, probably since like Christmas. Like, where would you have him ranked? Like, as a top what player in the NBA? I mean, right now, I'd probably still have him in that, like, 100 range, 125, just because, like, on a night-to-night basis, he's not making the same impact that, like, the highest-level role players make. Right. And he's not a star yet. Uh -uh. But the thing about him is, like, I think that he can slide nicely into either of those roles. He can develop into, like, what Fred Van Fleet did for the Raptors, like, Fred Van Fleet eventually became what he is now, which is like an all-star level guard, or at least maybe you don't think he's like a surefire all-star level guard, a top 35 player in the NBA. I think he can get there eventually, but I think that the thing that a guy like Fred Van Fleet, a guy a guy that kind of comes along on a winning team, like Thibault, or uh, Maxi could be like the third or fourth offensive option and – try his ass off on defense and like be an effective, good player on a winning team. And then still in a year or two from now, maybe, maybe even further down the line, become like an all-star level player. Whereas like, you know, Matisse Thibel might, might be very helpful right now in terms of like, you need, you do need defenders. I'm not saying that you don't like, I think that it, it, it's, it's very reminiscent of what the Kings or the, the Knicks did after the playoffs last year, which is they did a massive overcorrection in the opposite direction. They got to the playoffs because yep. they had all of these like really good defenders and like tips put in a system. They played really good defense and then they got to the playoffs and they had, Oh, right. You literally need to have guards on your team. And they were like, right, having guards in the NBA is a little bit important. Yeah. So that so they overcorrected all the other, all the way to the other direction and they went out and they got like 15 cards. Yeah. And I don't want the Sixers to do that. I don't want the Sixers to go, here's Thibel, here's Simmons. Here is every uh, green, here's all of our defense. And then we just get back Harden and we have you know, Seth Curry, Maxi, uh, Harden on the perimeter, Tobias, who's been terrible on defense this year, and the whole defense is just Joel Embiid. But I do want to say you can – like, my big thing is, is, like, part of the reason why I want them to make this move before Thursday, if they are going to actually make the move, if the Nets are willing to listen and they can make an offer, is because you need to reshape this team quick. Like, you need to reshape this team in this week. Because mm -hmm. if you're trading for 33-year-old James Harden, you need to go for it right fucking now.
Yeah, you don't want to wait. And like it's it's, it's you know looking at it from both sides, like you don't want to wait. We always do. Exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm always thinking unbiasedly. Um, you don't want to wait another year. You don't want to like wait until next year for Joel because who the hell who knows what Joel is going to look like at that point. And you don't want to wait another year for Harden because who knows what J- James Harden is going to look like as he gets in deeper into his mid thirties. You know, like yeah, you just have no idea. And like so, like when you're dealing with players, like obviously Embiid's only what is he twenty seven. Yeah, he's about to be 28. And he has a crazy injury history. And then when you're dealing with a guard, I mean, obviously he's a bigger guard, so you would imagine Harden should be pretty durable moving forward. And he doesn't have a crazy history of injuries um, or, like, debilitating injuries. Like, yeah, he'll probably age pretty decently. But, like, you don't want to, like, just keep pushing or kicking the can down the road and then all of a sudden it was too late. And, like, you did it. Like, that, I mean, that's really – obviously it's a little bit different. But, like, think about, like, the Sixers of the, of the aughts, like – you know, mid two thousands, getting Chris Webber and then getting um, big big dog Glenn Robinson. Like, like obviously they were like way past their prime, but like that's what the Sixers did for a decade. And it's like, yes, they're big names, but like they they eventually players fall apart. Yep, you got. And also worth noting that like I know a lot of people have actually compared it to the Chris uh, Webber situation, the Harden situation right now. I just want to say that like James Harden at his peak was an MVP player. Two years ago, three years ago. He's he's a top whatever, like 40 to 50 player in NBA history. Right. And you then compare it to the guys that the Sixers have gotten in the past. And it's like even the guys like Horford and Weber and guys that like they were good players at their peak. Even Butler. Butler was not. I mean, when we got him specifically, he was not the level that James Harden never even close to that level. Right. Like he was an all fringe all NBA guy. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and like same with Chris Webber, like good all star for like four or five years, very good player. But like the level that Harden has dropped down to is like everyone is like, I think, yeah, you hit the best basketball of his career is probably behind him. He's probably not going to play that MVP level again. No. But the thing is, is like, it, what he's still a top 20 player in the NBA, right? It, like, Harden is better than like 90% of them, 95% of NBA players. It's 99 not, not, like, yeah, like right like that's yeah that's selling it too short like it's like 80 percent of him is still like you said top 15 to 20 player and when you pair that with you know arguably the most the, arguably if not the best one of the two or three best players in the nba like okay yeah now you have a championship you have a championship level core you just do and you, you can put it as simply as this like uh, Embiid. Uh, two years ago, or last year was second in MVP voting. This year he might win it. If not, he'll be top two or three. And you're pairing him with a guy who was like top three in MVP voting like four years in a row. Dude, he was literally like this. I think he was like sixth in MVP voting last year. Yeah, that, <laughs> Dude, the, the Nets were like, they, they had like a crazy record when it was just James Harden last year without Kyrie Irving and without uh Kevin Durant and like yeah he's had these hamstring injuries with worry me but like Chris Paul had the same thing a few years ago and like he, he seems to be doing fine now he's a, he's a six foot five or like six foot six 220 pound player he's going to age better than any of like like you can even name like Beal who's not as big as him you can name Lillard who's way smaller than him Harden is going to age so much more gracefully than any of them just based on the amount of imp- that, based on the amount of contact he can take and the amount of pounding he can put on his body because he's a bigger player. It's just how it works. And wing body. 
And I, I, I would definitely be a little bit concerned about giving that guy a five-year contract at 33 years old. Sure. Of course. But at the but same time, you're doing airs. What's that? I said the world is going to be over. So who cares? <laughs> we're literally all, we're all already, we've already lived through a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Global warming's coming soon, folks. Just that, that's why, that's why we're all so obsessed with slop. It's just a distraction from the inevitable heat death of the universe. So let's, yeah. let's just kind of fucking throw in all our chips. We know that we're all going to be living in the metaverse soon. We don't even have to worry about fucking real reality. We'll be with Matt in the metaverse. Uh, yeah. And it's cold and lonely, but it's better than here. Um, I, I would do, I would pay so much money for um, Zach Lowe to have Tim Bontemps on and just ask him questions about the apocalypse. <laughs> well, technically, um, actually um, Zach. Yeah. Technically I'd rather have, Ben Simmons for five years and <laughs> apocalypse than James Harden for two years in the apocalypse. Think about how much faster it is. He could forge food so much faster than James Harden. James Harden's probably gonna, James, <laughs> James Harden's probably going to eat all the food because he's a selfish player. Think about Ben Simmons. So worried about his physique. He's going to give all the food to us. And he's going like, to be able to live off of all of his amino acids and proteins because he's in great shape. He's like, what is up here? <laughs> Whew. Thank you, Tim, for that perspective on survival mode with <laughs> that. Holy survival mode with Zach Lowe and Tim Bonteps. <laughs> oh my and, god! I wanted to bring one thing up about Maxi. Is like, yeah, he's probably like, you know, on the more optimistic side, like seventy top seventy seventy five player. On the more like balanced side, probably like a top one hundred player. But he has a higher impact upside than any player in his range pretty much like he's the type of guy like you said like a fred van vliet who like was probably also in that range like two three years ago who will eventually probably be in the top 40 just based on his trajectory Trajectory. and and yeah based on like what he's already doing and with a little more growth he's gonna he's gonna skyrocket up the up those boards now some Sixers fans are like oh he's like he's you know he's like right right on the cusp of being an all-star pretty soon like maybe not but like He's gonna he's gonna get to that point if he continues to move, you know, if he continues to grow at this level or different yeah. like this. Yeah, and and my whole thing with like I, personally, I think that if this was the offer last year, I think ultimately he Maury Maury nice nice dude Maury would have included Maxi if it meant that he gets James Harden and he'd worry about the rest later. What we've seen from Maxi since then, what he can give you on a rookie contract, and on top of that, I think ultimately Maury looks at this and goes, "We'll give you everything but Embiid and Maxi now." Like if the Nets called him on Thursday and they said, "Look, give us Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and two first-round picks and two swaps," I think the Sixers would do it because I think that he would look at the situation and go, "I'm probably going to have to pay a price in the offseason." That is similar to that anyway. Mm-hmm. And even, okay, let's say they get to the offseason and it's Ben Simmons, just Ben Simmons and two firsts, and then you just have to make the salary work some other way. You get to keep Seth Curry. Okay, but then you also don't get a chance at the title at all this year. That's what you're risking there. So my thing is, is that I don't think he's going to say, I'm going to give my third best player who also has upside, who's also on a rookie contract. And also I can just get James Harden from you guys this offseason. If he wants to come here, he's probably going to end up here some way. 
And we're going to use those two picks, those two swaps, maybe even Seth in a different trade to clear cap space so that we can threaten to sign James Harden. Yeah. So so I think he'd be willing to offer what he can, he would offer this offseason, plus whatever he would need to to clear the cap space to make it so that they can have the threat at signing James Harden. Yeah, the, what- I, I think we're at the point where it's like, if I'm like, you know, I, I think that Maury would basically give up anything except for, obviously not indeed, but like except for like Maxi and a Simmons deal. I don't think he would give it for James Harden. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't think that would happen before the deadline, at least. Um, I think he would have done it for Dame earlier this year. I mean, that was also, or I mean, obviously, like Sixers fans like have have rose tinted glasses. Like he's not even close to Dame's level. No. But also, like Maxie's gotten so much better since this offseason or the beginning of this year. He just, if you're just looking from a value standpoint and the way he's perceived around the league, he just carries so much more value. Than- did three months ago to me the main difference though is that they know Harden wants to come here yeah Damian Lillard did not ever say he wanted to go to Philadelphia and then on top of that he's also under contract for four more seasons so Maury would say we'll send Maxi and Simmons out there for Damian Lillard if we can get him back and we don't have to make you know I don't think it makes the Nets much better at all like like if they get Maxi and Simmons I don't think that they're any better they have a better shot at winning the title this year. I think you could argue that if Kyrie can somehow get back to playing in all the games, that they would be a scary team and could potentially even beat the Sixers in the playoffs. But I don't. I wouldn't be like, oh, they're the favorites to win. Whereas if you're just sending them to the fucking Pacific Northwest where you're never going to have to play them and they're a rebuilding team and all this shit, and you get back a player who's under contract for four more years that didn't even necessarily want to come to you in free agency like this summer, like that's the major difference. And that's why he will hold on Maxi. And that's part of the reason why I've kind of shifted my opinion. I shift my opinion on this shit literally every other day. Yeah. It's but being mentally ill, which is, awesome. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do just want to say that the thing about, like the thing about the Harden situation is like Harden wants to come here. Cause we have Daryl Morey and like the Sixers don't get players on the level of James Harden wanting to come here ever. It's never, ever, ever happened. It's never like, like you said, like even Jimmy Butler, when he wanted to come here was not on James Harden's level in terms of like, maybe you could argue they were like Jimmy at the time was a top 20 player. Harden's on uh, uh, a top 20 player right now. But I don't think that, like, if you take everything into consideration that any team in the NBA would have taken that version of Jimmy Butler over this version of James Harden, even with his declining and blah, blah, blah. So my point on this whole thing is, like, I trust, no matter what happens, even if they keep Ben, which I was like, this is insane. You can't keep Ben. You can't do all this. If they keep Ben with the knowledge of, we can get James Harden and the Nets want Ben Simmons and we can reshape the entire team this offseason around yeah. James Harden and, and Joel and beads, like basically to make it the perfect team built around them or as good as we can possibly get. Then that's the only scenario in which I would be okay without trading uh, Ben Simmons before the deadline. Because even if you get James Harden right now, like, you still have the Tobias thing. And like, as I know Tobias has been playing better recently, but like, dude, our friend- it doesn't like he is, but like all the same, like fatal flaws are there. Like, like if you just, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, watch the games. I'm like one of those guys right now. But like <laughs> when you watch him play, like, I mean, case in point, when he missed Maxi, that was just like, that was just sort of like an, like an obvious example. But like, 
there was multiple times the other day when we were playing Chicago where Maxi was wide open and like either like the weak side corner or like above the break on the weak side. And like it has his hands up like this. Like he's literally going like this or he just looks like dejected and Tobias doesn't even look at him. Tobias, last shot of the half and you could see the souls just like drain out of Embiid and Maxi. Like it's all still there. He's shooting better and that's like, and he's maybe like pulling the trigger a little quicker, but all of those issues are still there. He definitely doesn't look as I, – I swear he looks slower and less decisive earlier in the season. He did. He did. But all – and we're just talking about offensively. Like, his defense has not been good the entire season. And, like, if you are getting to the point where you're like, okay, we're going all in. We're And let's say that is somehow they're able to keep Seth and Maxi, And let's just say, like, it's like Danny Green, Ben Simmons, and two picks – then you say to yourself, defensively, yeah, Thibault's going to be a lockdown guy, but you don't know how many minutes he can play in the playoffs because of the offensive struggles. Oh, yeah. You know Seth and Maxi are going to get targeted because of their size. Harden is very the most effective when he's in a switching system. Yeah. And, and the Sixers can't run that. Manageable, like, mid-post defender, like, because he's yeah. freaking strong. But, yeah, he's, he's better in a switchable system for sure. So – Couple that with the fact that our only good defensive wing is a massive negative on offense. And then you have Tobias, who's a horrific help defender. And really his only value is the same thing that Harden and in and Bede are 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 already better at, which is that mid-post defense, that posting up that's not really gonna be all that beneficial in the playoffs. So if Maury does choose not to like make a move before the deadline and it's because he knows he can get hardened for less in the offseason, and because he knows he can choose who he puts around James Harden and Joel Embiid and also try to keep Tyrese Maxey to be the third guy with those guys. Yeah. I mean, like you said, like it's, it's even if we get hardened, if there's no, there's, so many variables and who knows if we would even like get to a conference finals, obviously our, it would, it would be, we'd have, you know, much greater chance of that happening. If we'd be in the same fucking boat right now. Like, yeah, we're never yeah. getting to a conference finals. Exactly. It like, like it doesn't matter. Like we're definitely not going there. I mean, like maybe like if like everybody like dies on every other team, then like, yeah, maybe like we'll get to the second round. Who's to like, Lose to like Trey Young and like four cloned Kevin Herders, <laughs> but like it's definitely not happening if we don't get Harden, and that's the only chance we have. And that's the whole like that's Maury's entire philosophy is like give it, like just like get to the point where you have a chance. Well, like Maury, like we don't have a chance without a big trade. We just don't. Right. So I think that it ultimately like. I think if they had to include Seth, which is like the thing, by the way, I love Bill Simmons just going on the air and just being like, I heard it's over Seth Curry. And like, that's like what the haggling point is right now. And like the Sixers don't want to give up Seth Curry and like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, aggregators go crazy. Like basically like he's the best. He, he doesn't because my favorite part about like journalists going on these things, like they're very careful with how they say yeah, things yeah. and Bill's just like, like, like Brian Windhorst literally has PTSD from like the time he, he thought he might get aggregated. <laughs> the aggregators. 
but yeah, it's like it, journalists are generally like that. That's why like Bill's so fun to listen to because he doesn't care. Oh yeah, I mean I'm just like Bill. I come on here and just say whatever I hear, and it's great. Airs, you know. Yeah, none, no, none of this, none of this matters at all, which is why it's so much fun. The trade deadline week, but I, I just want to say that there have been like a few reports over the last few days that like have come from credible journalists that we know and trust, like Keith Pompey, who basically came out and said today, which is what Woj kind of echoed as well, which is like basically that the Sixers and the Nets actually haven't even talked. But the the report that came from Shams was clearly coming from a combination of Clutch and the Nets front office of being like, we're open for business. Yeah. Because Clutch really would want Ben on the Nets. That makes a lot of sense. He would be the third best player there. He could kind of slide into a role where he doesn't need to be on ball as much. He can kind of focus on the things that he's good at, like defense, rebound, playmaking in the open court, passing, whatever. And he could maybe slide into he can literally uh finally achieve his goal of becoming tall Bruce Brown. Yeah, and it's the only place that would ever happen. So I can't so, his lips at that opportunity. <laughs> he wants to be max contract Bruce Brown, as uh someone on Twitter said Bruce Clown, or which is has replaced Sad Young. But um so we have we have that come out, but basically Woj and um, Keith have both kind of been saying that like they're actually not even talking every day. Like the other team doesn't like Sean Marks doesn't want to call Maury. Maury doesn't want to call Sean Marks. My guess is that they've been going through clutch because they don't want to be the ones that give up leverage. Like the second you call and you're like, hey, like we want James Harden. I guess that's like giving up leverage in some. It's been this ridiculous with like tea leaves and like reporting and stuff. Or am I just realizing? now because like i'm 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 my mental decline is so rapid (laughs) no it's it's insane no it's definitely gotten worse because this shit that we're talking about right now is what drives everything differentiate between like shams and woge it was like all right well shams got it or woge got it but now it's like now i'm like well sham like you you did you did that like that that clip is like well shams is with clutch now the thing you have to understand about woge is that he's with the general managers. Got to think. They're different. You got to stay woke, dude. You you have to know where your slop is coming from. Is this... Woj's best friends with Kyle Newbeck and Sham's best friends with Bill Simmons. And it's always been like that. I have brain worms. (laughs) It's so true. I'm so invested in this that I'm like, I need to know where my slop comes from. I will not eat this slop if it comes from a a fast food restaurant. Are you kidding me? That's the veganism in you. (laughs) I only take uh, (laughs) cage-free slop, please. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Organically sourced. I I need to know that this slop was uh, murdered in vain, please. Um. So, but kind of, kind of just talking about all this. So it seems like, like the, the one anecdote that came out, which was basically, I think this was from Jake Fisher that Maury called about a month ago and talked to Sean Marks and was like, what about James? And he was like, James Johnson, which is 
a great bit. I have to say, Sean Marks is yeah, he's on fire. Do you think Blake Griffin's rubbing off on him? The comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I like to imagine after every Nets loss, they like they boost morale by like giving Blake Griffin a tech five. <laughs> just like <laughs> Blake, Blake, dude, airline food, crickets. He's like, I was on season two of, of Broad City. <laughs> Please care about me again. It's hard being a redhead that nobody cares about. <laughs> he just starts listing his credits. <laughs> He's like, I used to do Tuesday nights at the Laugh Factory on on Venice. He gives he gives like he he, he gives <laughs> after every, every loss, he gives Sean Marks his headshot. <laughs> Send this to other teams in case you're trading me. Sends him a deck to his email, and it's just like Broad City, The Laugh Factory, and Perpetual Depression. Impractical. One time I was on Impractical Jokers. Did you know that? <laughs> Wait, did James? Wait, did Blake Griffin? Do Blake Griffin and um. Have they have him and Ben Simmons dated the same person? Did they both? Yeah. Date? Hmm. Yeah, the deal's not happening. I'm siding with Woj. <laughs> it falls through because of this. <laughs> you know, we we went to Blake and we said, uh, you know, we know that you still have feelings for We both fell in love with the cyber it... in there. We can't <laughs> can't get past it. Was it Kylie or Kendall? I can't even remember which one. Oh, Ken- Kendall Jenner. Yeah, the ta- the taller one. <laughs> the, ta- the taller one. The one who seems more normal. <laughs> she definitely is. Yeah. She's definitely way more normal. Yeah. I yeah. mean, she doesn't, for for example, she doesn't have children with mass murderers. That's like, true. Uh, she does not have children with mass murderers. And that's why we love her, folks. <laughs> that's why we love her. That's why we think she's. You know what's funny? Anytime I listen to Travis Scott now, I feel like I'm like, I hope people aren't listening, like, see that I'm listening to Travis Scott on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel anytime I listen to Kanye West as well. It's fun. <laughs> oh, like, oh, Jesus. My, my childhood was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> the group chat, like, slanders Kid Cudi, and I'm like, and I just, like, quietly log off. You're like, I, I like them. They're like, well, yeah, because you're white. And it's like, yeah, like listen to day and night in my room alone and like wonder how becoming 30 happened to me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, why am I white and 30? <laughs> why is my life so difficult? <laughs> I don't think I've ever related more to a bit than 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 that bit, I have to say. Yeah, I know. That probably hurt you. Profound. Yeah. You liked, definitely. Yeah. You liked Kid Cudi before I even liked Kid Cudi. You, you were a Kid Cudi day oneer. Well, duh. I mean, I had depression. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was a junior in high school and had depression. What do you? I'm not really seeing. That. <laughs> I know, and then I like make fun of the same people who like like all like the rat like the, the all the like rappers like who have like passed away like all the emo rappers and I'm like yeah like but that's not like Kid Cudi. Same thing. I'm well, like, Pete. I'm like kids these days are losers. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, you know, connect to my soul in the same way that that the cutter did. Yeah. 
But um, so so Joel Embiid goes on the radio today, basically. I, I do just want to say that this is obviously total bullshit. The Sixers and the Nets, I think if they have contact over the next, it will probably be on Thursday. Like they're both just waiting until the last day and then they'll call and they'll try to work something out. I, I personally just think it is funny because like the news comes out and we all know that everyone is lying. And it, they like they really have been for like a solid week now of just like, yeah, no, we really uh, appreciate Eric Gordon. We, You know what? We think Mike Muscala – <laughs> He's untouchable. He's a culture setter. He like we're not moving Kendrick Williams, even if you gave us four first round picks. Like it's all lies, right? Your, now. your, your tweet the other or earlier today was so great, and it was like everybody, like like remember, like if you hear anything this week, it's a lie, and then like it's like anything comes out, it's like no, no. <laughs> It's so true, though. It's like we know it's a lie. I do the same thing, though. I know it's all lies, and my my visceral reaction to when news comes out is like, I'm gonna kill myself. I know. I'm like, I'm like, I didn't realize that Jake Fisher was no longer an ally. I have to go shower <laughs> and think about stuff. <laughs> I didn't know that Jake Fisher would become an enemy of the process. Yeah, that's too harsh. Didn't you write a book about did, the process last? Did, like, did you did you used to talk about Sixers and you should <laughs> like them? Why are you making them not do it well? <laughs> why do you make them do bad now? <laughs> why, why, why Jake Fisher make Maury not do it anymore? <laughs> it's literally t- tanking to the top was my my manifesto my my version he was my version of Karl Marx really and now he is just another fraud and a phony and I will never forgive Jake Fisher for doing there, this to us there was this like there was I forget who reported it it was like some like not like non it was just like some like sea level reporter but like they like aggregated Kyle Newbeck and like Newbeck was basically just doing like like a column, like he was kind of giving his opinion with. A, I'm sure he had like insight from the front office, but it was like they don't want to include picks, blah blah blah. And like they spun it basically like the Sixers refused to include picks. And like I knew exactly right away. I'm like, yeah, like Newbeck's getting spun. But a little part of me was like, I met this guy in person. I had <laughs> shared words with him, and I just can't believe he's gotten this disgusting. <laughs> he grew up in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, but he's anti-Philadelphian. <laughs> it is funny when people people get mad at Kyle and they get mad at like literally it's it happens all the time when they get most like first off, he's like the most impartial reporter. Like he's just yeah. he's really good at what he does. And like it's I, I would lose my mind if I was him. The amount of dumb people that like take what he says. He cl- he clearly has a source in the front office that gives him good information too. I would ask, probably has the most information of any of our beat writers. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, Kyle Kyle's by far the most plugged in. Yeah, and at least to the current ad- administration, right? the, the current regime that we might have to topple after the trade deadline. But the the thing is, is like these reports come out. And it, the whole content cycle is just built on 
reaction and just reactionary people getting mad because that's what drives engagement. So you clip the part of the article and Kyle even tweeted this at me the other day. He was like, I didn't say that. Like if yeah. you read the whole article, he was like, I am not saying like someone tweeted something at me. And I was like this, whatever this part of it was, I was like, that's cap. It's not true. Like, and then Kyle, tweeted at us and was like, guys, that's not what I said in the article. Like, read the article. Mm -hmm. They're, they're just going to take whatever they can because it's going to make the most people mad. It's going to get the most engagement. It's going to get upvotes on Reddit and it's going to go viral because because of the one part that they clipped. Which the funny thing was, was literally like Sixers aren't interested in a James Harden deal was the exact before the deadline, which is like the furthest. Like, you think that Daryl Morey sat out, uh, turned down offers for like, DeJounte Murray, CJ McCollum and picks and like fucking all these crazy offers, not like amazing offers, but like all these offers of like the Minnesota Timberwolves were going to give like a decade's worth of picks for mm -hmm. Ben and stuff. And then he just gets to the deadline and there's finally the player like might be number the one guy or two on his board. Things, But the guy who like basically made him like the king. You know what I mean? Like he created, he made Maury's career, at least in the 2010s. Like, yeah, but I don't want that guy actually. Yeah, no, I'm chilling. I'm actually good. Actually, you know what? It's fine. I'm going to take D'Angelo Russell and, and picks. No, you know what? I'm just going to salary dump him yeah. to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I, I don't, I don't want James Harden. I'm going to go, I'm going to fly to Portland and I'm going to rub Damian Lillard's tummy because his abdomen hurts as he records B-sides at sub-pop records. <laughs> did you That's wait, did you did you what? hear did you hear uh Bill Simmons trade that he had before this week? By the way, I just want to say we're gonna get into the Bill stuff now, which is like the podcast <gasps> today was was so so good with uh Jackie Mack and KLC. So good. And he basically was like this was two weeks ago. He was like, the Sixers are gonna trade Ben Simmons plus a pick plus other stuff for Sabonis and Jeremy Lamb, which uh makes literally no sense to me. This was two weeks ago. And he was like, look, they're not getting one of the top 40 players. They can dream about James Harden all they want. It's never going to happen. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Then he goes on his podcast last week and says, why don't they just trade him to Oklahoma City for Dort and a bunch of picks? Yeah. I mean, this I, that's – I'm just telling you, Bill Simmons is the only reason I'm like almost 100% sure we are going to get James Harden because <laughs> I've never seen the – he copes, obviously. Like, he's a huge guy. But, like, when you can literally, like, through your earbuds taste – Jackie McMullen's Goodwill Hunting flavored tears <laughs> and KOC's nervous laugh. You know what's happening. It feels inevitable. Yeah. It really does feel like after listening to that podcast, the cope from Bill was amazing. He keeps saying, okay, so first off, he keeps saying he doesn't like the fit with Joel and Harden. Which. Yeah. First off, before we even start talking about the podcast, did you listen to the very beginning of it? Did you No, everyone keeps telling me that his son did an ad read. His son did an ad read. He goes, hi, this is Ben Simmons and not the one who quit. No, like it's the best thing I've ever heard. It's amazing. We, I, 
honestly, lead I, off with that when you go into post production. <laughs> it's so good. Just play that as yeah. the intro. Yeah. All right, I'll t- I'll tell my producer to to cut that and and put it as the intro, dude. The God, I I don't even want to have Bill Simmons on the podcast at any point. I want to have Ben the other Ben Simmons oh, on the podcast. Can you imagine how many times he would cancel himself in the span of thirty minutes? <laughs> it would be more. I feel like it would be more like a therapy session. I would just be like, "What is it like to have Bill Simmons as your dad?" <laughs> he just starts going like, "I need a real father. Someone, please make me clean my room." <laughs> I need a Jordan Peterson father. I've been doing drugs since I was six, and he says it's—he says it's swag. <laughs> he made me watch The Exorcist when I was three years old. Um, um, but oh, the one thing that at the very beginning of the podcast is I only listened to the first twenty minutes, and I feel like I got everything I needed. Um, of course, Jaggy McMullen goes, "If I had to rank the like the players that I would want if I was Billy," she goes. Bradley, she go Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, and then James Harden, a distant, distant third. It's like, how, where have you been for a year? Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, as far as I'm concerned, like Damian Lillard's getting like triple bypass heart surgery. <laughs> he's not even like alive anymore. You and we're, he's not alive because I haven't heard a gosh darn track drop from him. It's true. It's been a minute since we heard this, a Dame Dollar in the studio, and he isn't in the studio. Running from the grind. Clearly, he he's clearly running from. The, I mean, they're they're really testing his patience. They're trying to see how how far he is willing to go to see if he can run from the grind. But but my whole thing about her saying that, I was like, what do you think we've been doing since last summer? That literally was those were the two top targets. That's yeah. That's the other thing. It's like we've this has been the entire past ten months. Or- <laughs> Uh, whatever, the, however, this feels like an eternity. But yeah, that's all we've been doing, Jackie. It's like, okay, yeah, like I'm sorry, like I know, like she is like seemingly plugged in in some places, and she has been like has done pieces about the Sixers and like traveled with the team. It's like, how did you not know that? Yeah, I mean, I I don't understand how, like, even if that was the case that like James Harden is third on your list. And that's how you feel about these things. We tried to do the other two. They have to want to come here and play for our team to do that. And their teams have to be willing to fucking trade them. That's the whole point of this. Exactly. It's crazy. It's like, people just don't think about like, like I, I know that it's like, I've said it already, but like no one factors in like players emotions. Like they don't want to be here. They would have made it clear if they did want to be here, but they haven't. Bradley Beal has had like 25 mood swings over the past 12 calendar months and yeah. doesn't is having a fucking existential crisis trying to figure out whether he wants to he wants to be one of the highest paid players in the NBA history while also not making the All-Star team this year. <laughs> Bradley Beal has had far too many mood swings and Damian Lillard has had far too little mood swings. I agree. We need to have a happy medium. Have a James Harden level of mood swing where you only have one mood swing, but it's a massive one. And it happens like every year and a half and you want to go to the Sixers at the end of it. That's yeah. Those are the mood swings I like. <laughs> All medium level mood swings end up in Philadelphia, baby. 
<laughs> we're at least on the list. Like, that's the thing. Like, you think about, like, every star who's asked out over the past five years. I think James Harden's the only one to ever put us on his list. I, I, I personally, yeah, I, I for sure cannot think of another one. James like, would be, like, the first, like, superstar level guy that we've acquired um, via trade or whatever since Moses Malone, and that happened before Michael Jordan was in the NBA. <laughs> happened way that happened quite a bit before I was fucking born. Yeah. So, so I think we should do that personally. But but like this this idea that like and Bill kept bringing it up, which was like I would just go after Beal, and I'm like, okay, so Beal, and then you said 30 minutes later, Beal is not getting traded before the deadline. Like Beal is yep. staying in Washington. So you would just wait until this offseason to try to get Bradley Beal in a sign-in trade for Ben Simmons, knowing that it's possible he doesn't want to come here. And it's also possible that you could get to the offseason and uh, maybe the Nets win the title and Harden's like, whatever, I'll just stay here and try to win more titles. Exactly. And also the, the terrifying thing is that that's totally in the realm of possibility. It is. If you have James Harden. And who knows what happens with like the vaccine mandates and all that stuff. If you have James Harden, Kyrie Irving for even 50% of those games and Kevin Durant, like you've got a pretty good chance to win a, a championship if they're healthy. Yeah. You just do. Yeah. Like it, it's mind blowing that like, I just like, you have to do it now. Like, like if you can, it, the, it, what it comes down to is look like, it, of, like, obviously we didn't wait for Harden last, we just didn't get him. But look what happened when, like, look at how much can happen in the span of, like, three to four months. Like, Ben Simmons went from being, like, a legitimate, like, piece for any superstar to, like, disappearing from the face of the earth. Yeah. Like, who (laughs) knows what happens? And also on top of that, and we've held him out of basketball for so long that people forget. Like, people went from – because people live so in the moment and they're so reactionary – people live in this, like Ben struggled in the playoffs and he struggled in the playoffs before. So after the season, everyone's like, Ben sucks. No one's giving up anything for Ben. Then Maury to his credit was psycho enough to wait this long to get to the point where a top 20 player has now become available, a former MVP. And they're like, yeah, I guess we'll take a Ben Simmons package back. But that's the thing. Like, that is the one thing. And, like, I was annoyed in the in, at, when it was happening. But, like, people have the memory of goldfish. You know what I mean? Like, obviously people remember, like, Ben screwed up. But, like, really it's probably people in Philadelphia that remember it the most. Like, everyone else is like, oh, Ben Simmons. He's been all NBA twice. Like, he's was runner-up. They All they go is on basketball reference. Pretty decent stats. Was runner-up defensive player of the year. If you wait long enough, people are stupid enough to forget, including, and we've seen time and time again, general managers in the NBA. A hundred percent. And I, I think Sean Marks is actually a good general manager. I don't think that he's going to do this. I don't think he's just going to do this just to do it. Like, I think he's going to do it because he knows Harden wants out. He knows he's not going to be 100% this year. He knows maybe KD's injuries more serious than we think. But if you have the opportunity to do it and there is a reasonable deal on the table, like Bill said, where it's Seth Curry, who loves Seth Curry, but like he's not make or breaking any superstar deal. And you have the chance to, like, you, you might make 
Brooklyn's chances a little bit worse if they get Seth and Ben Simmons back, but you're making your chances way better. Like you're making your chances 10 times better to win the, like that 5% thing. You're well above the 5% mark. If you just have those two players on your team and this idea that like, we should just wait until the summer and then maybe a better fit is going to become available is just insane to me. No, you get talent. You just get talent. Like Embiid is the the type of player because he's so good at both ends and because he can like anchor a defense and like be, now he's proven that he can be like, he could completely be like the heliocentric piece in an offense. Like you just go get the most talented player possible. It's probably going to fit around Joel Embiid because he's, and that's why Harden wants to come here because he wants to have less responsibilities because since he's gotten to Brooklyn, he's had to be the heliocentric guy again. And he doesn't want to do that because he's fucking old and he wants to save himself for the playoffs and he wants to be more of a secondary guy. There could be so many nights where he just plays like 25 to 30 minutes. Like, there could, and we've, and I heard someone else say it's like there could also be nights where Tyrese Maxey just like puts up 30 points and both of them can kind of chill. Yeah. Like, there's not many places where you can go where that's the possibility. There just aren't. And there's not many stars that every single superstar would be able to fit with other than Embiid. So, I just want to say that, like, this is something Sam Sheehan said when he came on for the uh, Trade Machine War Crimes episode, which was basically, like, if stars do ask out and it is sometime before the deadline or if it's this summer or whatever, the Sixers are generally set up well just because no one has cap space. They have the guy that is tradable in Ben Simmons that even if a team is like, Ben Simmons sucks. We don't want him like Houston did last year. They're like, we don't want Ben Simmons. You can get a ton of shit from another team and then send it to that team for a full on rebuild, which is kind of the idea behind all this. But I I do just want to say that my favorite part of that podcast with Bill and Jackie is like them being so certain that like Ben Simmons is just going to go to the Nets, even KOC a little bit like, KOC, KOC is clearly like he's surpassed Bill in terms of like basketball knowledge by a hundred at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that he is such a victim of peer pressure though. When he's like on podcasts with Bill, he's so scared to like have any like original thoughts or pushback on like on what they're saying, yeah. which is yeah. Like Jackie was like talking I, about. I get it, but yeah, but also like. Like, yeah, like you want to, you know, respect your elders, as they say. But like the thing about the KOC thing is like KOC clearly has like a like they go off on this whole tangent about why they shouldn't trade for James Harden for like 20 minutes. And then finally KOC comes in and he's like, it's fucking James Harden. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? Harden like has been eliminated in the first round of the playoffs every year of his career. He's very regularly in the conference finals. Like, yes, I'm so sorry. He hasn't made an NBA finals, but like he gets pretty darn close almost every single time he's healthy with like even a moderate supporting cast around him. Also worth noting, he almost by himself beat the greatest team of all time. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, 
People talk about him literally like he on, honestly people talk about him even when they made the trade. I went back and I listened to the first episode that we ever did of this podcast which was titled James Harden is not a sixer and I am not okay and you were on and Marty was on and I was like everyone is talking about James Harden like he's Karis LeVert and Karis LeVert like he's James Harden. It's crazy. It's it's just people just get like bored of something and then they like have to have like a new thing that's better than the old thing even though it's clearly not better than the old thing but it's it's a personality thing too where like this is now Harden's second time quitting on a team in a few years but circumstances are a little bit different here like that that is my thing is like I my biggest concern is the fact that Harden falls out with teammates after two or three seasons like I totally understand that and like I would be worried about that but I also am not concerned that like if you are trading for him one once again this is going in on the next two to three seasons and you hope that they're good enough to do it in that time but also like he has a teammate no one's mad at Kyrie about this like he has a teammate who's literally not playing half the games and is like so vocal in the media it's like actually insane how much how like he's just like oh yeah I'm gonna talk like 12 times a day. Like you guys can like, like it doesn't like, he's so not aware of like how much James Harden and multiple nets probably hate him. hundred percent. It's crazy. And that's why him and Durant as a, as a duo is very funny and also makes a lot of sense. But like James Harden was never going to be cool with that. No, I mean, the thing is, is that like the coping levels reached a maximum peak high about two weeks ago when this story first came out, which was like, okay, this idea that Harden could leave or whatever, when Nets fans were sharing the pictures of Kyrie and Harden hugging after they won a game. And I was like, at that moment, I was like, oh, he's gone. (laughs) Yeah. That's like, uh, wait, Kyrie, you said Kyrie and Harden were hugging. Yeah. 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 Because they won. That's yeah. like going on. That's like you know uh, Westbrook season. Uh, Westbrook Westbrook season nine double o five nine on Twitter being like, look at this man. He's a family man, and it's like a picture of we- it's like Westbrook's Christmas card from two thousand seventeen. <laughs> How could you ever believe anything else? It's it's literally <laughs> the same exact thing that people were doing with Katie and the Warriors, with Kyrie and the Celtics, like. Yep. These guys are going to put on for the public eye. Like they're not going to like just openly fucking hate each other. Like it, that's just not what the reality of the situation is. But let's let's move on from from all that. Um and let's just talk a little bit about uh the maybe the worst trade of slop seasons uh or yeah. the one of the worst trades that I've ever heard of. The Portland Trailblazers traded Norm Powell and Robert Covington to the Los Angeles Clippers for Keon Johnson, who was the 21st pick in the last draft, Eric Bledsoe, and Justice Winslow, and a second round pick. What the fuck (laughs) is Portland doing? Is that how you pronounce it? Justice? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he pronounces his name Justice. Is it Justice? I can't believe he's still in the NBA. He that's barely awesome. is. That's awesome for him. Hold on. Have I been pronouncing his name wrong this whole no. time? I want it to be that. I I need to know because it's spelled differently. Hold on. Now I have to look up how Justice Winslow is pronounced. 
All right. Oh, of course, it's not on this fucking Wikipedia page. How dare you, Wikipedia? What a monster. All right, hold on. I'm pretty sure it's just East. Hold on. It's not on his fucking basketball reference page either. I'm pretty sure it's just East. Uh, and if it isn't, I'm going to look like a fucking idiot. Anasonic uh, Wazbomb. <laughs> I mean, it's that's a little bit more understandable considering that he spells his name uh, J-U-S. Way more understandable. That one was wild. <laughs> that's sick. I, I keep forgetting to call him Waj on the podcast. Yeah, but Waj. So, Justice Winslow, who, I don't know what the fuck, like, when we talked about the Damian Lillard thing earlier, like him running from the grind, this is really must, like, people were saying, like, this is, like, testing what he is willing to, t- they literally just traded two they're good like, they're players? Like, they're like, like yeah, like, like, the, like, all the, you know, the brass and uh, and Portland are like, oh, yeah, you're not going to run from the grind now, huh, buddy? Yeah, we'll see you don't run from the grind this time. <laughs> yeah, we're going ri- to get rid of two of your friends, two of your good teammates. You're going to run from the grind? Yeah, we're going to keep CJ McCollum forever. You're going to run from the grind? <laughs> we're going to start three midgets in the backcourt. <laughs> Literally, no one over 6'2 will ever play next to you in the backcourt. You're like 6'2", 170 pounds. Well, buddy, do we have a lot more guys just like that in the pipeline? It's it's amazing because when they made the Norm Powell trade, I was like, I, it kind of made sense. The first one kind of made sense to me because I was like, okay, so they, they're trying to like, I. it's funny to say like, push in your chips when you're getting Norm Powell. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, an above average NBA why? starter. Right. What's that? Kawhi's not playing this year, right? No, well, no one really knows if Kawhi and Paul George are playing. I was talking about the Blazers trade last year when they traded Gary Trent uh, Jr. They traded Gary Trent Jr. for for Norm Powell like yeah, seven months ago. Basically, they got like Eric Bledsoe and filler for Norm Powell, or for for Gary Trent Jr. Yeah, that rocks. <laughs> and oh, they gave up two first round picks before last season to get Robert Covington. Oh, didn't they used to have Will Barton, too, at one point? Yeah, but then they traded him for yeah. Nurkic. Yeah. Okay, I mean, well, Nurkic was, it did well for them. But, like, it's just, they just seemingly get rid of good players a lot, is, was what I was getting at. Well, they've only had, like, ten of them over the past decade. Yeah. And they, and, and, and my whole thing about this is, like, they literally, so they decided... Norm Powell, who's a good at like good NBA starter, like solid good player, like had a 50-40-90 season almost last year on almost 20 points a game. Uh really good shooter, good can score, athletic, long arms, like and Robert Covington, who isn't as good as he used to be, but like will still be a good help defender and like put up a ton of catch and shoot threes. And they got back Eric Bledsoe and Keon Johnson, who like might be fine but he like has also sucked in the g league it's just funny that like damian lillard is willing to be so stubborn like he's so stubborn that like he will play in portland for his entire nba career in front of fred armison and the cast of portlandia (laughs) that's that is so much dedication and i respect it (laughs) he's literally like yeah he's like like he's getting like he's getting like 
cold foam lattes with Fred Armisen after games, and he's like, damn, I can't believe this is my life. <laughs> but, like, in a good way. <laughs> he's literally just like, would you leave Portland if you got to have lunch with uh, Chuck Klosterman every day? <laughs> <laughs> Klosterman's like, lunch exists. Yeah, lunch does exist. Let's make a podcast out of it. You ever seen that clip of like him, uh, of, of him like talking about Kill a Cow, about like the like Kill a Cow's comment on the music exists thing? It's so funny. Yeah, it was on the Rice Ricky Sanchez when he was like, "It's not called <laughs> Does Music Exist? It, music exists. The it, the answer is in the name." By the way, I love how like every six months the rigger comes out with like you know from the jump it's like a horrible idea. Oh yeah. yeah. Like that podcast, you're like, oh, this is not, this is going to be scrubbed from the internet in a year from now. Oh, they do it. They used to do it even more. Like they would like give like one of their like C level, like writers, like a podcast. And then like three weeks later, be gone. (laughs) I remember they gave like Micah Peters, like four different podcasts. And like, I think each of them had two episodes. It's so weird because it's like. Doesn't it take time to like? I mean, I know just from having a podcast, like it takes time to like grow an audience. Like Bill Simmons is like, if it's not in draft form, I don't want to do a the, I don't want to do a podcast. It has to have something to do with a draft. It's literally you have to you have to draft. <laughs> we're gonna draft. Uh, we're gonna do trade machine war crimes, but we're gonna draft the greatest war crimes of all time. <laughs> Oh, he did this great, like, he, like, will always, like, tease these ideas for, like, his other podcasts. And, like, he teased this idea for the, uh, for the Rewatchables. He's like, I think you guys are going to really like it. Like, this is, like, this one's, like, different. Or not different. Like, he was just, like, 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 we really put a lot of time and thought into this one. And the idea was they're doing a month called Effed Up Up Family Rewatchables. And they're just doing movies about effed up families. That was the idea. It's so awesome. He's so good. He's it's it's twisted, dude. He has a, they have a podcast called like Prestige TV or like the, the or it's either the there's like multiple podcasts there. They it's either the Recapables or it's like the Prestige Prestige TV pod, and it's like it's like him and like Joanna Robinson or something like talking about like Euphoria. <laughs> yeah. I, I love listening to Bill, like, ironically and also unironically because because he's just the GOAT. But, like, you couldn't pay me money to have him talk about euphoria. Oh, my God. On Monday morning, you wake up and you're like, what does this 52-year-old think of euphoria? <laughs> <laughs> this 52-year-old white guy from Boston. Yeah, and yellow jackets, which are about teenage girls. Ooh. Yeah. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> Uh, with the uncancelables, they were get anthrax in the mail. <laughs> hey, listen, that was Matt's comment. I just want to say I'm a very happy and um, non-suicidal yeah. person. <laughs> Likes those. I think it's good that he wears a beanie and talks to his daughter about One Direction. <laughs> I need a year. A year. He should start doing a month in teens. Like the teen year recap he does? I think it's good that he's forcing his son to take creatine. 
he was talking the other day, like, and he was like, I forget what happened. It was like, it was, it was like, guess the lines or something, but he was just like, he was like talking about how his son's like getting really into, he's like going to play football and like, he's going to take it really seriously. And like, how it's like cutting into his wrestling career. Like this. Oh, I did hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that part. Yeah. Which is great. Or he gets armpit hair. Yeah. Bill is, uh, Bill is committed to getting his son CTE in one way or another. Horrible horrible father. (laughs) All right. Before we get out of here, we do have to touch on the slop of the... Uh, this is just such a nothing trade to me. Uh, Karis yeah. LeVert was I traded. Yeah, I know. I don't care either. No, but but, I didn't talk about it because like Cleveland is kind of relevant. If this was if this was Cleveland from last year, I would have like I would have already signed off. <laughs> You're like, yeah, no, they have they have some intriguing things. My whole thing though, like, is I'm like, like, like call Marty Teller or something. I'm not doing this. <laughs> Marty and me are talking about our group chat. I'm not about it. (laughs) Fucking uh, Marty and me are just talking about the tax implications of the Ricky Rubio and uh, Karis LeVert trade. But you're you're like accidentally just doing like. (laughs) (laughs) We're just doing Nate and Danny. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, But so Karis LeVert uh, gets traded for Ricky Rubio and a the Cavs first round pick this year. And then two seconds. I just want to say, I don't understand what is this whole thing about like every podcast and like every media person does this. Now when a team is like young and fun, you're, you're immediately like they need to trade their draft picks for veterans. Now it's like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> and it never has been like Cleveland's a good team. Like, I don't think that like Cleveland's a good young fun team. I think the Hawks last year really like, poison people's minds just because they looking at the Grizzlies they did the exact opposite they didn't trade all their picks once they got like good players and look at them now they're the most fun I'm so upset that I am not a Memphis Grizzlies fan I would do anything to be like just watching John Morant have fun and like dance is like more fun than anything I've ever experienced as a Sixers fan and also like they hit on guys later in the first round with picks that yep. they didn't even like they, they're trading their second round picks to get higher, like or lower first round picks like Desmond Bain did years ago. Like they're just yeah. draft. Right. Like the Cavs don't need to like Carousel Vert's a totally fine, decent rotation p- player. And like, yeah, they could use more ball handling, but also like is Carousel Vert the difference between being eliminated in the second round and making it to the finals? My mind, it's like you guys have Evan Mobley and Darius Garland on contract for seemingly ever. <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you cashing in on like skinny Tobias Harris? <laughs> it's crazy. Hooper, Hooper Tobias. I small, feel, to, small Tobias. I, I do feel bad for, for, uh, I feel bad for Ricky Rubio because he like, I mean, he's always been like a pretty impactful player, but he finally found a place where he was like making a legitimately awesome impact. And then like just gets destroyed and then he gets sent to hell. (laughs) They're like, you are now in purgatory. Hang out with like Sabonis and all the guys that look like Sabonis. Also, they might trade Sabonis and uh, Turner this week too. So best of luck. It's the Bill Simmons bedroom. You think that Bill has a poster of Sabonis in his room? It's like a, it's like a, it's like a really bad. It's like nephew Kyle did like a really bad Photoshop of like Larry Bird's body, like with Sabonis's face. 
With Jokic's head, and he's like, they're Sabonis. So I know why he likes Sabonis so much. Uh, he's white. I don't know if this has ever been explained. I just thought of it right now. You know Bill, like, his brain stopped working in, like, 2004, so he has, like, this encyclopedic knowledge of everything before that in basketball. And I'm sure back then he was, like, one of the smarter basketball people. It's because he always talks about the what if, and he loves what ifs of Arvidas Sabonis. Like, he loves Arvidas Sabonis. He, oh, he, he's talked about him plenty of times in the book of basketball, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, of course, he's going to love his son because he gets to watch his son. It's true. Actually, wow, that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. Just thought. Hey, you, do you remember the episode of 30 Rock? That's actually a, a great theory. But do you remember the episode of 30 Rock where um, Liz's uh, brother, who's played by Andy Richter, has, like, the traumatic brain injury when he's in high school? Yeah. So yeah. he – so he thinks every day is like 1987. Yep. <laughs> That's Bill, but with basketball. That is Bill with basketball. Yep. Bill, like, as far as Bill's concerned, the Celtics absolutely dominated 86 and then got screwed by injuries in 87, and they're just waiting to get back in 88. He's like, he's like, these guys, these, this Jason and Jalen, were they on the 87 team? He's back in on the Celtics, though, dude. They've won, like, five games in a row or something. So yeah, he's back after saying that they sucked and they should blow it up. They're past 11, so, like, he's, like, ready to, like, make a blood sacrifice. <laughs> we should be we should be buyers at the deadline. Two weeks ago, he was like, I'd trade Jalen and three first for Sabonis. Mm-hmm. That guy looks nothing more than to pair Jason Tatum with, with Demata Sabonis and watch yeah. it. They, like, are a perennial <laughs> no, Sabonis is going he's gonna go play with Jason uh Tatum's best friend Bradley Beal in Washington. They're gonna Yeah. Ooh, that's gonna hurt. Yeah, that's gonna I mean Bill is just gonna be I know we're about to wrap, but like just for like two minutes, like can you like Bradley Beal and Tomata Sabonis in Washington is so is so funny, dude. That's so good. It's literally someone described it. Kevin, the Bulls fan, just was like, "It's just a less interesting version of Zach and Vooch." Yeah, it's it sucks so bad. <laughs> Who is this? It, it's like, didn't we already see him play with like a B minus level center in Marcin Gortat? <laughs> like doing it again? I don't know. People just like, I, God bless. Bradley Beal's PR team and the propaganda team, but he's like the 25th best player in the NBA. He's not. Like he scores a lot of points, but like that's not anything new. Players outside the top 25 score a lot of points all the time. I just want to say, well, he, to be fair, he almost, he almost led the NBA in scoring last year, which is an accomplishment. He, I think he lost by like half a percentage point to Steph Curry. He's also not as good as he was last year. True. I just want to say, this is a man who is about to make one of the largest contracts in NBA history. Yeah, like two hundred seventy million or something like that. And he just missed the All Stars All Star team for the second time in three seasons. <laughs> it's baffling. It's like I, I don't like God. It's incredible that like he has just maintained this. Pretty much like the media talks about him like he's never done anything wrong. It's it's actually crazy. No, they talk about him like he's on the level of player that we've ta- been wanting to get, like the Dame, the Steph, the Harden. 
ever in his career come even close to the impact that Damian Lillard has had in probably his fifth best season. It's crazy. It's insane. Point like two years ago, where like Damian Lillard, like I was like, I didn't think he was better than Steph, but I was like, okay, this guy's like, there was like a playoff series. Maybe it was two years ago. It was like, this is like the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. Like just hey. and like the shots he was making. Yeah, I was gonna say Dame. Dame was clearly the second best to to Steph for a good stretch, and and then you have Bradley Beal, who is like the fifth best shooting guard in the NBA, a position that is not deep, mind you, <laughs> has never been. He's like Harden, Booker. Like he might be like the third or fourth, but it's not a deep position. But think about it. Harden definitely better. Definitely Booker, better. Harden, Harden, Booker definitely better. Mm-hmm. Levine definitely better if you oh, can if you can't Levine is a oh yeah. my god yeah God remember when we used to talk about maybe getting Levine I it feels like five years ago that would have been really cool huh? it feels like it was when he sucked that's how long ago yeah. it was you know what's crazy is like that that the core of that team were like as of recently as two years ago were both viewed as like guys that are horrible like the uh, were both viewed horribly two years ago. Yeah, it was like the trash. If they're on your team, you're gonna suck. Yeah. Now, granted, like, Le- like first off, the thing DeRozan was never bad. Levine actually did used to be bad. Yeah. Like the DeRozan slander is like kind of insane. He's always been good, but the, always it, it, basketball. But it really is the okay. So so Booker was in part of this group as well when the Sun sucked. Even though Booker was always obviously good. Yeah. But. The the thing about Bill it's Bill Simmons' brain. It's like you're not a winner, and then you're like their second best player is like fucking Mars is like fucking Marquise Chris. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome. How could Demar Derozan not? First off, I was going to say how could Demar Derozan not make it to the playoffs? And then I realized he did take the Spurs to the playoffs two years ago, and the play in last year, and they're like a fine team. They're f- yeah. they're like a ten seed right now. Yeah, they're like I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. It's literally just because he lost to LeBron in the playoffs. There's no other like people thought. And obviously the Kyle Lowry stuff is 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 exhausting and like so annoying. But like people also thought Kyle Lowry wasn't good because he lost to LeBron in the playoffs. Right. And I just want to say that the the Demar like, thing. Have you guys been watching the entire past millennium? Like, or the entire 21st century, everybody loses to LeBron in the playoffs. <laughs> it's like everyone but super teams. <laughs> like, Kevin Garnett regularly lost to LeBron in the playoffs. He's like one of the 20 best basketball players of all time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I just want to leave on this note, but it is that Bill Simmons. There's this thing with on-off. It's, I call it on-off poisoning, where, like, people just look specifically at one player's on-off hate that it's so fucking annoying and then they use that to just one one player on off is like the most is the most unproductive statistics there ever has been it's also like a lot of the times the majority of guys where they're like well they're actually better without bradley beal or they're better without demar Derozan, or they're better without and then i'm like do you watch their games when those players are on the court they're the entire offense and then when they leave the defense is slightly better and the offense usually sucks or yeah. or it's one of those things where it's like 
okay, they're going up against the starters and the bench. The the other guys are going up against like scrubs for off the bench. Like it, it's just, there's never, you need so much context to just look it on off and be like, that's a good player based on. Or even when people are like, yeah, even when people are like, oh, like the Sixers, like their defensive rating isn't hard. Like, like, like Embiid's impact isn't like his own off impact isn't as good as it's been in years past. I'm like, it's because he has better, like our bench is better. Like what? Yeah, and like, also like, he's the entire offense he, he, and the entire he's defense. He's going to be a, a seventeen, like a seventeen, like net rating. Yeah, it, we, our bench is legitimately solid for the first time in his entire career. Obvious, and then they'll be like, "Well, Jokic has like a better net rating." It's like, yeah, because Jokic has way worse teammates, which is why his team is not as good as the Sixers. Right. It's it's. it's <laughs> It's true. It's every year Embiid always had these massive plus the uh, on-off numbers. But then you would watch the games and you're like, like, I mean, like Drummond drives me nuts sometimes. But like, he's the first like good backup center that we've ever had. I know. It's crazy, dude. It makes me lose my mind, honestly. It, it's insane. All right. Well, that's a good place to end it. Thanks for coming on, dude. It was yep. great talking with you, brother. Uh, and, uh, we'll, I'll see you at the, uh, uh, ritual suicide. If, uh, we, we don't trade Ben on Thursday. Listen, if we're going to do a ritual suicide, I'd rather have Ben Simmons on my team. If he's, if, if we're going to have a circle of guys, they're going to be at the ritual suicide. I'd rather have a guy who's six foot 10 could probably like hold the heads up above all the, all the zombies that are trying to eat the heads. <laughs> if you have James Harden, he's only six foot five. You can only hold the heads up so high. <laughs> All right, I'm out of here. Peace. <laughs>